light up your Saturday morning. It's the Blast Crew with Glenny and Luke on SEM. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, supplying the drilling, industrial and mining industries since 1999. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill on Vivian Street are open on a Saturday morning, but you know what else is open? And that is discussion right here on SEN 1611 on the AM and also via the SEN app. Discussion about local sport happening around Kalgoorlie Boulder, around our goldfields and also via our channels as well that we get all of the information on. Louis Tro, Glennie Wilson, Saturday morning. Good morning to you, mate. Good morning, and I tell you what, I've really got to say because I was over the moon, Glenn. You were away, I was unavailable, I was not away, but I had other commitments. Listening to SEN's first coverage of the Game of the Round mm. wasn't that great. How good was Sebastian Clark? Oh, he was fantastic. Threw him in at the deep end. Threw him in at the deep end, you wouldn't even know. It was no. just like clockwork. He was a very, very good operator for us, and uh, uh, well, he's earned himself another stripe, I reckon. He's kind of come back in the future. So he should. Yep, and so Justin Tarasinski, great insights from him as well. We're back this afternoon from Diggador's Oval. We've got the big game, Boulder and Cambelda coming up this afternoon. And Logan Hughes, you hear about him? I did not. He was on an e-scooter after the last Oh, so yes. Oh, we're going to talk about those e-scooters too, he's, aren't we? He's done a mischief. Broken his shoulder, it's shattered, it's all in different pieces, and he's going to be our special comments man. So we, we were struggling for a special comments man for this week until that happened. Oh, well, you know, Cowgley Case and Drill do sell e-scooters if you need them. There's a beautiful one that we've got more coming. They're not cheap, but mm. these one come with a seat, and they've got little handlebars like a chopper. I saw a fellow the other day getting around on one of those. I thought, geez, we've gone up market, haven't we? Yeah. Hey, are your uh, particular devices, are they able to be charged? They're not one of these Chinese knockoffs that people... Because my key barometer now on e-scooters is... How many call-outs DFES get a week now that people are buying their own? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's cheap Chinese knockoffs. Can we can we talk? I don't know whether you can talk too much about it, Glenn, but you know, from a council point of view, if you like, I Happy. don't know if we can, that's, but that's... Um, I've seen so many scooters around, and I think that it's good, you know, that from, from getting it out, but I've seen them in the wrong places. I've seen helmets just left on the side of the road with no scooters. I've seen scooters with no helmets. I've seen... As you know, I go for a walk in the mornings, Glenn. I've seen mm. a scooter sitting on the side of some in on the side of the house, if you like, next to the fence in the dirt, and it's sat there for three days. Yeah, right. So I don't know. Do they come around? They're monitored they're... by GPS. Every single one of them. Right. Uh, there's a person who sits, uh, well, who who goes around and collects all of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's all up to the actual people who the the, the e scooters belong to. Council get don't do any of that. Uh, and that's obviously part of the trial is now to find out, okay, what is it that we need to make better out of the process yeah. now that we've got them? Obviously, they're the newest, greatest thing getting around. Everyone's got an opinion about them, which is great, whether or not they're great, whether they're bad, whether they're causing issues, whether they're just a, a real lifestyle changer for a lot of people. So this is the time to get a bit of a review happening and then whether or not they become permanent. Because what we've also seen, Louis, is that personal e-scooters have now become uh, more prominent. Oh, they have. There's been there's been a few, uh, obviously a spike in certain sales. Yeah. But from a council point of view, what makes it a success and what doesn't? How is it? How is it viewed? Do you guys get? I think the early statement was made that we had eight thousand kilometres in in a week that were travelled on these e-scooters or something Did along we? those lines. Well, I'm not aware of the figures. I've actually been been away and absent from some stuff. Eight thousand might be wrong, but it was it was but pretty high. For every kilometre travelled, there is a return to the council. So there is a return. Is there? Yeah. So the council receive uh, might be one cent a kilometre. Don't quote me on the figures, but there yeah. is a, a surcharge that goes back to council, and there's also the permit which was paid for by the operator to operate in the city that went to council. Yeah. Yeah. There's no other cost to council. Oh, the council. Uh, got in no fact, cost, which no is cost good. At all. Which is good. So um, 
how you would judge that is obviously that those e-scooter providers would have all of that data. They would probably provide it and effectively council will be following up to provide it back to council to say this is what's happening in the city. Yeah, and ultimately they're going to come back and say, look, this is a winner for us or it's not a winner. We're going to continue to or we don't want to continue yep. and, and go from there. Yep. Okay. Big discussion point, mate. Thank you. I, I wanted to get there sooner or later during the show to get your thoughts on it because yeah. they released last time, just they were fresh just before our last show. It was almost April Fool's They day. were, but I thought I'd get in before you scoot around the idea, you know. Very good. Yeah, thanks. Very good. Right, how has your week been anyway? Glenn, you were, you were away, you were incognito, you know doing I a did? bit of work and things like that? I caught a ferry to per, uh, to work. You caught a ferry? I caught, a fer- I caught the ferry, the South you know, Perth ferry. You sort of ferry crossed the Mersey? Yeah, no. I, the old South Perth ferry, was yeah, it? Yeah, the South Perth ferry. We uh, we got ourselves a little apartment piece in Perth. Um, to, just to clarify, it's not a purchase, it was just a, to rent out for the week. And, yep. Um, then uh, it was a very much a novelty to go to work on a ferry every day. Yeah, it would be. It was good. Yeah, sit on the water, very tranquil. I've got a nice little video later on to show you. Nice little way to start. The a nice day. little way to start. The very day. Good. Yeah, So I was away for some work stuff. So uh, and also had some time with the family. What did we do? Uh, you go to the zoo. We did go to the zoo actually. Yeah. Do you so know what I love about the zoo? What? The fact that there's lots of animals there. Oh, you bloody idiot. Well, why else would you go to no, the zoo? it's just an g- interesting experience because, you know, these little trolleys that you get to take stuff around, you can pull along the trolley and you can put the kids in it. I yeah. never realised that was a thing until you went to the zoo and then the kids are almost like treated like animals, aren't they? Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> it's like the animals peanuts. are looked after better than what the kids are <laughs> when you go to the zoo. Ah, but it was a good time. And I like the nocturnal it. side of that. I like going to the, the pitch black and seeing the eyes open up and the snakes come out and the, you know, the little insects and that sort of thing. Didn't do that this time but we didn't no. see the elephants uh, and the gibbons they were causing quite a bit of mischief you know you can do a tour mm. an actual proper behind the scenes tour you can book it yeah. and you pay for it and you go behind the scenes with one of the carers or the, the workers there and you go and feed the hyenas and the elephants and the giraffes and, and you yeah. get all the behind scenes and everything okay yeah. can you stay isn't there a place where you could stay a night? Yeah, that's the prison. That's the old prison, Glenn. <laughs> okay, no, same, same, but different. <laughs> One's for animals. They're both probably for animals. Anyway, we move on, Louis. Uh, we've got a big show that's coming up today because there's big announcements that's been happening. The basketball stadium redevelopment is going ahead. There was some uh, media about that one just the other day. Rob Tagliaferri will join us today to give us all of the details. He's coming up on the show. Daniel Lavery. Well, we're a little bit embarrassed by Lavo. Well, I suppose we've waited a long time. It sort of flew under the radar a little bit, didn't it, hadn't it, mm. really, for us? Because normally we're in touch with most things that happen, and, and hockey has really been one of the forefront for us because they're a very professional operation, as you know. And for us to miss out on the first couple of weeks, was it, round yeah, five or something? Poor form from us, poor form. We'll put ourselves in the naughty corner, mate. Um, we did have a lot going on, obviously, with footy in the lead-up to that in round one, which uh, the close game of the round for us on radio was uh, Boulder and Railways. The other game on the Sunday, Campbellder and Mines. 1-1-2. One, one to 232, or is that 38 goals, 16? 36 or 38, 6, yeah, 16, something along those lines. Yeah, it was all over at quarter time. Uh, I see Mines have changed their reunion this week as well. It's now no longer on the June long weekend. Have a guess why? Why? Accommodation. Kangas have got theirs on the same weekend. Uh, They're obviously expecting a large show in Cow, but uh, they couldn't get any accommodation for... Mines uh, fans and accommodation's not going to get much better for a, for some time, I don't think. The other thing that you've got there is that the Bowls Carnival up in Leonora is attracting quite a few of their life members. 
Eels Medis, the Kennedys. That was last weekend, yeah. Oh, was it? Okay. Yep. I thought it was coming up. Oh, sorry, June. the June, yeah, which is the, the Leonora side of it. Yes, yeah, I agree so with that. Yeah, a bit going on and there. And there's, you know, obviously, Kalgoorlie have their bowls carnival in September, and so do Boulder as well. So they're going to struggle a little bit, I think, with um, holding that over the race round. Jordan Strand, 13 goals last week. 13. 13. Lucky number 13. 13. Unbelievable there. Um, so I yeah. was, you know, we, I was no different than you, Glenn. We were very excited about the way that Cam Bowder had been in the off season. They're recruiting and the way that they are, you know, off the field probably more so than what they were on the field. And we thought that that was going to flow on into the game itself and the games. But unfortunately, the seven points kicked by the league. That was the only points scored for the uh, the reserves as well as the women because they both got the inside of a donut. Yeah, Braden Butler, the only goal scorer for Cam Bowder in their first game. But turn it up over to Railways. And uh, Boulder, uh, let's go over there because four points. Uh, railways are in control for most of the game, but that last quarter is when Boulder just started to gel as a team and as a bit of a unit. Uh, they, they've got, I think, 11 new players who are into their particular team. So yeah. it did take them a little while to get started, but a uh, bit of a look back on that one from a couple of weeks ago, mate. We move on from there. Mm. Yeah, we do. You're going to be looking at this weekend's game, aren't you? Uh, well, we we this afternoon. Boulder and Cambelda. Who are you going to tip? Well, I'm going to tip Boulder, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah, out at Diggador's Oval this afternoon. So Might be a few busy goal umpires, I think. Yeah, there'll be a couple of very yeah. busy... I, I tell you what, Graham Davis must have the best biceps getting around after that first game. Yeah, you'd think so as well. And <laughs> congratulations to Graham Davis having a room named after himself as well. Great stalwart of the association. Oh, he is an absolute legend. Righto, we move on because coming up our first guest, Daniel Lavery, in just a couple of moments' time. Something a little bit different. We'll find out what... He's up with Lavo in just a few minutes. He was trending on our socials yesterday afternoon as we preview the show there. Yeah, you certainly will. So we've got Dan Lavery. Stay tuned. We've got Mitch Gray going to talk oh, a bit yeah. of soccer. We've got Tash Holdenes about netball. And Rob Murison is going to join us eventually from the KBRC. Spurt. Spurt, yes. Not Squirt or whatever you... Well, I called him Squirt. I thought you were calling him Squirt. <laughs> no. That was his nickname. Old Spurty. Ah, good on him. Kalgoorlie, Kingston Drill, Vivian Street and Boulder, the Goldfields' best nuts and bolts holder, bringing you SEN The Blast Crew on a Saturday morning, 16.11. We've got some signage. People know where we are. We've also got an app as well. Tune in via the app each week to get a bit of a take on local sport and also the local Goldfields Football League. Thanks to Harvey Norman Goldfields coming up this afternoon from 2 o'clock from Diggadores Oval. Logan Hughes and yours truly. Glennie Wilson will be in the grandstand calling that particular game. Best place to, to be. I think you would too. You do a great job and it's been a while since you've covered it. I'll just get the cobwebs out, Glenn, oh, yeah. and then you'll be straight yeah. into it. More Blast Crew soon. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is the Blast Crew. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, supplying the drilling, industrial and mining industries since 1999. Something different about him, Louis. There is something different about him today. Something different about who? Daniel Lavery, who joins us from the Eastern Goldfields Hockey Association. I don't know if it's his shirt. It's very crisp and dry clean. Uh, is it the new glasses? No, he's rubbing his chin a bit there. I think he's he bought himself his, a new razor. He can see his chin again because it's no longer got the fuzz around it, mate. Good morning. Uh, morning, gents. Uh, I don't know which chin there's a couple there these days. I, I normally keep the beard to hide it, but yes, no, thanks for bringing that to my attention. Appreciate you know, it. You know why he said that? Because he just looked over at me with a beard. Yeah, no. Yeah, they're very good. It's yeah. okay. Nice You're in much better shape than me, dick. Louis. <laughs> Lavo, uh, we haven't caught up with you since the start of the season. We did a little bit in the off-season, mate, but all of a sudden the season starts and uh, we went AWOL on you. So apologies there, mate, but you are back and you are back with a vengeance. Can you believe we are up to week five? 
Unbelievable. That's been quick. It's flown by, mate, and um, yeah, the, we've we've crammed a fair bit of hockey in the first few weeks, seniors only to date, but um, we had a break over Easter and we're back into it again this weekend. How was that midweek round? Because was it a chance to gather around the Hockey Association? It was, mate. No, Monday, we played some hockey last week, Monday through to Thursday evening. We had uh, multiple games on each evening and very well received. Uh, obviously, that would be normally training nights for people, but mm. to get down, the atmosphere was good. There was support, good support down there and um, that, that obviously also helps over the, the bar of <laughs> course um, but people just seemed receptive to it overall and I think it is a way of the, f- the future to help manage um, our game times a little better particularly with obviously not using the grass this year midweek hockey has been factored into our fixtures. Levo, from an association point of view as we say we're up to round five what's impressed you from the start of the season up until now? Look, I think ultimately the sportsmanship across all clubs has been great to start the year. We've obviously um, had some challenges with our umpires and um, we, we have our panel now, so all our umpires for our senior hockey are paid and I, I just I appreciate ultimately the, the willingness for people to come on board with the panel that have and the players to respect those, those I guess, more skilled umpires or um, who have upskilled themselves to get to that level. Um, the camaraderie's there, you know, we've picked up where we left off in 2022. There were some cracker grand finals, as you blokes know, from our, our catch-ups but um, yeah all in all the competitions um, you know there's there's been some good tight games so far there's been a couple of blowouts as well but I think all in all the game's been played in the right spirit and that's all we can ask. It's good to see some of the names that just continue to stick around with hockey mate uh, YM who went on to 2018 premiership year they are continuing in A1 uh, to have a number of their key players around the traps. They're starting to just uh, unfold their season at the moment. Yeah, look, and they always had a plan, um, a, that, a five-year plan to really grow and um, develop into that that stronger A1 team. It was brought forward, of course, with Isaac Staples, David mm. Bossy, a couple of really talented guys who came to the club for that premiership. They're getting to that point now where those juniors, though, back five, six years ago, are now the senior men in the team. And ultimately, that's how you develop a club, develop a culture, and, and YM are doing a great job with that, particularly Glenn Bryant who brings those guys together every Wednesday night as one of the senior leaders in the club. So hats off to YM. And as you've alluded to, there was a bit of a, a pre-season write-up that I did on all clubs. I did that personally. Mm. I took a bit of advice from the clubs on who they saw as key people and tried to touch on that to give everyone a really good rap as we go into the season. Levo, as you know, we're always big in sport, always bigger on juniors. And you just mentioned juniors as well. And I think it's a... It's a, I suppose, hats off sort of situation for you guys because your junior program with Hooked into Hockey and all those sorts of things has really gone on very, very well. And that's probably been stepping back a few years when you offered free, you know, free kit to people that turned up. Yeah, and look, that's going to continue on, Louis. So we, we had uh, last week at Check about 85 kids registered, remembering we're going for that uh, magical 200 number that we had last year. But the Welcome to Hockey program will unfold in Term 2. What we're trying to do this year is move into Term 3 with that program and run a Minky program. So basically, Welcome to Hockey turns into Minky to try and retain those kids uh, ready for season 2024 and they can roll straight into a team, as opposed to disappearing and mm. having to try and claw them back. back but again, a yeah. Minky program would help us gather information keep in touch with these people and ultimately keep the kids in the game it's about 30 years ago minky was around mate oh, it was probably how you got your start mate wallace park my stick had minky written on it i think the head on the stick was about 30 centimeters long a big hook on the bottom of it but yeah we've come a long way since then mate that's for sure oh, it's good to see isn't it and and from the 5th of may to the 23rd of june that free hockey program for the kids ruck cementation and mining um, unbelievable support that they've given for that program since its inception almost isn't it being amazing three 
three-year deal they did for us and um, they, they've come back year in, year out and then committed what they said they would. Um, so this is the third year of that and we'll be looking to, to hopefully partner with them into the future. Moving a little bit further, a couple of weeks' time, the Senior Challenge Cup. Yeah, so as I said, some competitive hockey in the first round. Probably in the in the men's grade, uh, CBC and North, who were the last year's grand finalists, are coming out on top and may, probably meet in that Challenge Cup. Um, in the women's competition, Mines and Pegs are doing it tight um, to see who will probably ultimately play against CBC, who have just returned uh, to full form after um, their unfortunate defeat in the grand final last year. But they are an amazing side. I've umpired a couple of their games and they're, they're going to be very, very t- tough to beat again this year. So those will be the couple of key games at the top. Challenge Cup uh, day will have a slightly different flavour. We're going to get a food van or two down, try and make a bit of an atmosphere for the afternoon. It's a standalone Challenge Cup again this year. Last year we played it at the next corresponding fixture. It didn't work. The, the bylaws didn't line up. There were players who hadn't qualified and all of a sudden wanted to play their normal game that week. So we've really gone back to that traditional standalone day and we'll have a bit of a party into the evening for clubs to stay and sort of mingle and celebrate together because we, we did it and it was a success a couple of years ago. I like that bit about the bylaws because we've had issues in other sport with bylaws and I think you guys from a hockey point of view have learnt from what's happened in the past and made sure that these things tick all boxes whereas other clubs sort of, or other associations I should say, sometimes sort of sweep a little bit under the carpet and sort of, oh, she'll be right mate, but you guys have, uh, you're, you're market leaders really, you did it with the grand final standalone and you're doing it with your bylaws mate, so well done. I appreciate that Louis and, and it's already bylaws are a hot topic of discussion right now, we've, we've been remained flexible, we've given some um, almost permits if you like for round one to make sure we've got bums on seats and, and people playing the game and we have the ability to be flexible. Our constitution changed to give us those sort of rights to, you know, if we feel we want to make an amendment to a bylaw that for this year to help the game grow, we can do that without too much trouble. Yeah. Mate, one thing I do want to mention is Mia Deller at the moment is in Darwin, who's representing uh, the under-15 state champs. Is that right? That that. I believe that's correct. She's been doing a bit of training. She's played some hockey in Cal too because she's basically down in Perth now, yes. Mia. Yeah. Um, very, very talented. <laughs> we obviously talk about her. She's one of those kids that um, has come on really well through CBC's junior program and to see her representing WA again this early in the year, I mean, the season's not really started quite true yet but then there's no junior hockey in the goldfields yet. So, um, yeah, she's doing a fantastic job. She would be a key in that CBC outfit this year if she was here all year. Mm. She would be a key player, you know, starts, to success. Starts today in Darwin, continues through until the 21st, mate. So uh, it is t- great to have that representation and obviously Mum's still here, Kirsty's still running the traps and, and, and talking a big game in hockey as well, keeping fit on the bike, doing all the right things. Mate, it's fa- they're a fantastic family to have around hockey. They've been around a long time. Kyra, um, obviously, Kyra are the well. daughters there as well. And Matt has played a few games of hockey when he's been back from school in the last few years. So, yeah, it's great to have Kirsty, Merv, great supporters of Goldfields hockey, particularly in the juniors as well. So, yeah, we're very pleased to have uh, Salties, of course, their business on board uh, year in, year out. They've just been a, a sponsor that we, we can't thank enough. It's great to see people lighting things up outside of the gold fields. And while we're talking lighting, what's happening down at the association with your lights, mate? Very exciting time, mate. We've we've come along beautifully in the last couple of months. We've appointed the supplier and ordered the lights uh, about six weeks ago. We've now just moved through the next phase um, because our grant application requires us to get multiple quotes for these different parts of the project yep. so we followed that to the letter of the law and we've now appointed the installer so we must thank both the local government in the city of Calgary Boulder and the state government for their support through the night lights programs and whatnot uh, we've received almost um, $200,000 in funding between those two alone and obviously we've chipped in a third as well for that project so um, a $300,000 project all up and we're well and truly sitting within budget 
Uh, we're just working through some of the finer, you know, preparation things as we get ready to move into full-scale replacement of the lights. And we, we hope, if all goes to plan, it can be an eight to ten day, you know, lights down, lights up project. Wow. And, and if we do get that done in that time frame, um, at, by mid-season we'll have um, Lux with a 500, uh, sorry, lights with a 500 Lux capacity, which is capable of um, international hockey. Yeah, it's unbelievable, isn't it? And a great opportunity to put hockey right up on the, on the big sca- stage as well, mate. All right, it's a big day today. We've got CBC and North in a bit of a club day down there, which is always a big one. Who will be putting the pill into the onion bag the most? Yeah. You yeah. like that one, Louis? <laughs> one of my favourites. Yeah. Yeah. I love I it. The pill into the onion bag. The old onion bag. Yeah, no, I, I do enjoy an onion bag uh, quote, as you've alluded to on Facebook. Um, look, as you say, this afternoon, we, we do have actually, I just mentioned the A2 women, Mines and Vets kick off the day, and veterans have already started very well from their grand final um, win last year. So good luck to both of those teams. Look, it'll be an interesting sort of seesawing day, you know. I know the A2 men's game, uh, at, this, uh, at this point in time, Norse probably have the ascendancy, but CBC are very good on their day. Uh, the A1 women, I think Norse will get a, a little bit of a reality check from CBC. Uh, CBC, as I've said, have just started with their goal-scoring abilities just um, untapped at the moment. Uh, the A1 men will be a quite, uh, well a close affair. Obviously, the Nullarbor muster is taking a few mm. away from the goldfields this week, so teams will not be full strength at all. Young Matt Sushon at Norse is, is injured. His brother, Chris, has taken some overseas leave, which I mentioned in the in the write-ups pre-season. Sam McGinty, of course, favourite son at CBC, is back this year, but he's uh, trundling off to the muster, as I understand it. So, you know, this won't be a good measure on how the season's going to go. This will just be uh, who gets bragging rights, I guess, in round one. Really? Um, uh, we have a couple of games tomorrow as well, boys. Uh, the A1 men, YMHC, are taking on Pegasus. And in the women, we've got Mines and Pegasus. Well, Levo, you've been busy in the off-season and busy for the first five weeks, mate. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. We look forward to speaking to you once again on SEN. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is The Blast Crew. Thanks to Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, Vivian Street in Boulder, the Goldfields' best nuts and bolts holder. A Saturday morning on SEN and we get to talk sport and local sport that's happening right across our Goldfields. It's Louie, it's Glennie. And I know that you went a little bit with the Giants at the start of our show, Louie, but mm-hmm. uh, the Giants are looking at a big new home, mate. They certainly are looking at a new home and looking at some of the, the pictures that I've seen off air, of course, Glenn, looking at what it's going to be. It's going to be a fantastic little stadium and I'm looking forward to being part of it. How do you look at the pictures on air when it's radio mate can you just clarify that comment for me just move on Rob Tagliaferri joins us and he is part of the stadium redevelopment committee and announced just yesterday Louis there's a contractor who will be doing the works it's a big job to to get the basketball stadium continuously operating at the same time as building a new one but Tags is here to tell us more about not only the appointment but also what's going to happen Tags Good on you, mate. Congratulations on the association getting to the point where now it's a pretty much a reality. Thanks, Glennie and Louie. Yeah, we're um, yeah, we're wrapped, mate. Absolutely wrapped. Um, it's no secret it's been a long journey. I suppose a lot of people said, oh, why can't we, when we got the money originally approved back about a year and a half, two years ago, I suppose the thought was, let's just build it. It doesn't quite happen that way. There's a hell of a lot of process and planning to go through. But we've done well. We've worked with a lot of stakeholders and uh, local governors, as you'd be aware. And uh, we've got to this point that we've actually now been able to award a contract and we're moving into construction. We're really wrapped. It's good tags that you've appointed somebody that's local as well. I think from a, a town point of view, that's what you'd expect being a local establishment yourselves. 
Louis, it was a competitive process. Um, and at the end of the day, we went through that evaluation and we came to the point that the local contract was the best value for money. Additionally, the benefits that brings to the community and use of subcontractors is outstanding. So, you know, we're very pleased to be working with this, this company in that they call construction. Um, and we know that they're going to do a great, great job. They have great community ownership and we look forward to working with them. Multifaceted approach to this, Rob, from the Basketball Association, from state, federal, local government, uh, a real collaboration there. And there's probably some other sponsorship that you've managed to pick up along the way as well, which may be announced in due course. But we do have uh, a big redevelopment that's happening. Can you tell us what's going to happen at the top end of Brookman Street, please? Obviously, the whole goal was to look at the future of indoor sports and certainly the future of basketball and what we need to grow in the community to support our support the community and the, our local sports. Um, we're basically at, we're going to be getting the existing facility uh, it's still going to be used but what we're going to be doing is we're going to be closing off Outreach Terrace which has been approved by the council and supported unanimously by the councillors and we're, we're very grateful for that and we'll be building a modern compliant um, new two court facility to add on to the existing three courts that will have upgraded change rooms function rooms, office spaces, um, modern stadium facility seating, and just bring it up to a standard that we currently don't have to support our local sport and certainly to support high-profile games in our NBL1 program as well, and also be suitable for the use for other sports such as netball and volleyball and fully compliant, which we we can't, we currently don't have. And, you know, I think if we didn't get this upgrade, we'd most probably put our NBL1 program at serious risk. What sort of is the time frame from start to finish of the project? Our forward works from now is really based on keeping the existing facility operating, not only for the NBL1 program, but also for um, our domestic program. But if we start now, we hope to be finished. And if everything goes well, Lou, and the best planning, uh, we hope to be finished by um, late March, April next year. Rob, this has been a project that's been on the go for a very long time. Um, do you remember the initial meetings or the, I know you said about a year and a half, but I think that this project goes back at least 10, 15 years. Is that right? I think we've had a number of cracks at it, Glenny, to be honest. I remember going through some strategic planning back in 2010 and we actually worked through a document there. I think we had a couple of cracks at it. Um, but until we got sort of like, you know, most probably in 2018, we really got quite serious about the advice and the assistance we needed to, you know, we've, you've got to sell a case. You know, you just don't go out and ask for $13 million worth of uh, funding and hope people are going to give it to you. You've got to demonstrate why you need it. I mean, we always think it's, you know, it's common sense. You know, we need a better basketball facility. But we had to go through a lot of work, you know, feasibility studies, what's, what was the best outcome, what was the best option. And I think in the end, we ended up in the right direction. You know, it's, it's really a cost. No one's going to give you $50, $50 million. You've got to work out a case that's going to give you the best option. And I think what we chose in the end, staying at Brookman Street and the funding we got available was really good. Tags, from a committee point of view, how did you come up with the final design? Did a group of you committee guys go around the state, go around the country, looking at different facilities that were available and sort of saying, well, that looks good, that feels that fits in with what we fit, we don't like that at that stadium, but we like this part, and put all the best bits together, I suppose a bit similar to what they did with Optus Oval? Yeah, a little bit in the, you know, we're most probably not that complex, to be honest to you, Louis, but um, we had a, we've got a lot of people with a lot of basketball knowledge, um, we know what we need. Willerton recently finished um, a new facility upgrade himself. 
Obviously, we've seen what's happened at Perry Lake Stadium, or the old Perry Lake Stadium, as it was called. Um, you know, and we, which is now the Basketball Centre, WA Basketball Centre. We went through a couple of designs. Um, we knew exactly what we needed to support our programs. And, you know, Brad French is most probably a guru in this area, and he had a significant amount of input into it. And then we used our architectural consultant team, and, and we really came up with a number of designs. Um, but ultimately, they're all impacted on by budget. And so we reduced it. We had what we needed was, you know, to make up a five-court facility, function rooms, up-to-date change rooms, compliance all around. Um, and in the end, well, I think we've got the most affordable option we can get for the money we have available. Tags, hot in summer, cold in winter. That's been a phenomenon with the Niels Hansen Basketball Stadium. Will we have a bit more spectator comfort for the new stadium? I hope so. I hope so. It'll certainly be a lot more well insulated than the uh, the tin shed we have, Glenny. You know, so it is planned that there's a very much environmental design involved, and uh, that's part of the compliance with the Building Act that you have to go through. So, so we're pretty we're pretty confident and wrapped with what I think we're we're going to end up with. So, I think it'll be very exciting for the community. Very exciting. Yeah, I think so as well, you know, because looking at it from a sponsor's point of view, if you like, or a spectator's mm. point of view, when you're sitting there watching it, it's it's good to watch it from there, but then you look at the bleachers and it's it's probably not the best situation that you can have. And we've been to a couple of stadiums ourselves, Glenn, mm. to have a look at how others do it as well. But I think you guys have made sure that it's going to blend in, fit well from a sponsor's point of view, from a player's point of view, and from other spectators as well to actually sit and, and watch a spectacle of what basketball can be. I'll be honest with you, it's going to be a ripper. Um, you know, what what we end up with is going to be fantastic and people are really surprised and it's also going to open up opportunities that some of the high-profile games that we most probably used to get and we haven't got any anymore, you know, we haven't got any Wildcats, Lynx games, um, even, even other teams that come to Kalgoorlie, it's going to give us that opportunity again. It's going to be brilliant. Well, we may know the owner of the Wildcats in this day and age who owns this very radio station. He might be very keen to have a discussion with you, Rob, a little later on. But anyway, that's probably a, too much of a conflict of interest at our end, <laughs> which we've just realised. Um, mate, the other side of that is, you know, we, we see places like Bendigo Ballarat, they pick up these big championships. Is it, Are we now a chance to receive some of those sorts of uh, state under-18 or state under-16 style of competitions, maybe even the country champs coming to Kalgoorlie Boulder with this facility? I think it's got to be a consideration. I think uh, once we have a facility in place, it gets to the standard that we've got and some other supporting um, areas as well, I can't see why we aren't having a crack at it. And that's certainly in my thinking, and I, I hope it's in the, uh, the board's thinking as well, and that we work with the city and other, other organisations to get those sort of events here. Beautiful. I'm looking forward to We'll have capacity. Be honest, guys. We've got, we'll have capacity, and we've never had that sort of capacity previously. Yeah, it's something to look forward to, of course. And you mentioned the under-16s as well, Glenn. I think we've got to mention Ashley Monaghan making into the under-16s country girls team yeah, as well. Absolutely. Well done, Robin. I know you might have uh, had a little bit to do with Ashley at a very young age with her development as well, so it's good to see that we've got that level. And no doubt with a new facility, we'll have more juniors coming through. you think so. And to be able to progress as well. Rob Tagliaferri joins us from the Stadium Redevelopment Committee. It sounds like a very important committee to be part of, but I tell you what, they've got... Uh, how much was it? $12, million, Rob? Uh, 13, 13, uh, GST exclusive, Glenny, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Lovely. Use that figure. We'll use that one, mate. We always like exclusives on this show. Don't you worry about that one. But uh, we appreciate your time with us to tell us a bit more about this project. Well done getting all those approvals. And uh, we're looking forward to cheering on the Northern Star Resources Goldfields Giants in a new home in 2024. Well, not really. They're still at the same home, but they're just in a new venue, part of the venue. I look forward to it, mate. It should be great. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is The Blast Crew. Thanks to Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, Vivian Street in Boulder, the Goldfields' best nuts and bolts holder. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, great supporters of the round game here in Kalgoorlie Boulder. What's wrong, mate? No, nothing. You're just looking at my shoes. Well, I'm actually looking at your lack of sock. I put them in the microwave. Yeah, they have they shrunk. shrunk. See? Yeah. yeah. I can I see actually, your ankles. No, well, I think... They're not my socks. I think they must be my wife's. And I was too lazy to go back in the bedroom this morning and thought, well, I'll just put them on anyway. But, yeah, anyway, there you go. The ankles Fashion cold accessory. Today? They are actually, Glenn, yes. <laughs> Your pants have shrunk. No, it's, yeah, they have not. Yeah. They're just a little bit tight. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you like, mate. Whatever you like. Okay, let's go and talk about the round game because I know this is one of a passion for you, Louis, and I know that uh, your team at Kangaroo Case and Real do support heavily the Goldfields Soccer Association in various different forms, which sure. is always great. Good. Your brother, I think we've spoken to before, runs around with a whistle in his mouth. He does run around with a whistle in his mouth. His two sons play as well, and there was talk a couple of seasons ago that was might have been a four general, three generations of trays on the same park for one team that plays in the colour of blue. But yeah. I saw a bit of sense and said, no, at uh, 55 years old, I think I'll just steer clear of that and sit in the bar and watch and cheer on. Oh, well, that's a good spot to sit. Hey, Mitch Gray sits at the top of the Goldfield Soccer Association and there's been a bit going on ahead of the first round of fixtures. Mitch, thanks for joining us this morning here on the Blast Crew, mate. Hey, Manny. Hey, Lou. Uh, thanks, Thanks for having me. Always good to be here. Mitch, we caught up with you last time. I think you were two or three days into the job. Mm. You've probably had a bit of time now to settle down. Have things sort of gone to plan so far? Yeah. Um, oh, like obviously, as you take on a new role and you find out, you know, I guess week by week, the more responsibilities you got to do and got to sort out. But we've and you know we've got a very new committee, um, but everyone's sort of taken it in their stride, and I think we're making you know really positive strides towards the season, which comes around in a couple of weeks. Yep, you were looking at a buy-in from all the clubs, and when we spoke last time, that hadn't happened from a committee point of view. Has that been resolved? Um, we've got three of the clubs on board, um, and, and Boulder obviously not currently a part of the committee, but they're really struggling probably for, in their own committee, so they just really wanted to focus on their club this year, and I clearly understand that, and sure. we're looking to support them just to um, move through into the next period. Okay, mate, we are getting underway with soccer. It was really good to have many soccer clubs involved in the recent club development day down at uh, Ray Finn, mate, and a uh, big shout-out to Steve O'Dwyer. Steve was down there cooking the barbecue. He's had a bit to do with soccer in the past, but he was just cooking the barbecue on a day for all the volunteers out there. Just volunteered to say, look, I'll go yeah. and cook the barbecue for you. It's fantastic to see. Didn't have his soccer hat on, but I know he does have a few soccer hats. So don't, don't you worry about that one. Uh, but, uh, but it was good to see the representation recently, mate, for soccer. Yeah, um, for more reports, I, I did miss the day, we're currently in Perth, but for more reports, it was a really successful day and the clubs really, really took it, you know, took it on board and they went down there and they felt they got a lot of red joes. So it probably gave us a good kickstart to the season. Um, so we're, we're hopefully looking to do it again. The proactive approach from your clubs, mate, is noted and I also note as well that other associations who are struggling with junior numbers weren't there either. So I guess a correlation to... If your numbers are good, it's because you're being proactive. If your numbers are not, it means you're not doing anything. Yeah. If you're not going to put your yeah. hand up, oh, that's going right. to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, look, our numbers are looking good. They're different. They're definitely, we're pretty much close to hit last year's numbers. So anything from there on out will definitely be growth. And um, we're obviously struggling for a few age groups, especially older, probably, you know, from sort of 13 to 16. Um, so we're still looking for regos across those, but we're happy. We're, we should still have three um, sort of junior, I guess, like um, teenagers leagues happening. So it should be good to see. There's a lot been happening around with Sam Kerr, you know, the great Australian women's player, if you like, and playing for Chelsea over in England itself. You've come up with an idea, an all-girls junior league program for girls aged between five and nine. You had registrations. It's going to start on the 30th of April, but how did the registrations go? Uh, look, it's really it, they've gone really positive. So I think we're looking at about 30 girls, uh, 30 little girls at the moment. Um, the unique thing about our sort of idea and what we, our league is, if you register with a club and play on a Saturday, Sunday is completely free. Um, but also, if you're not comfortable enough to play with in a mixed side on Saturday, you can register just for Sunday, and then there'll be they'll uh, do a, like a 45 minute training session into a half an hour sort of game situation. Enough they still into like the four senior clubs. You've got a, you've got another one called Kick It Skills. So it's a six week Saturday program, age for players between two and four. So that's really getting into the the little nippy guys, if you like. It's going to be a handful, I suppose. And I think you're calling it the Little Giants program. Yeah, so that program's run through Football West and John Caravetes. Um So he just really gets them ready to be able to play uh, mini roos that start at five. I think it's a fabulous program, and um, I think he's always had really good numbers, and I don't see why he wouldn't have them again. At two, so they can be two and play. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty young. Well, that's my little fellow's in that. I might bring him down. Eight o'clock on the 29th of April, just before the show, Louis, at nine. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, get in there and do it, mate. It's a round ball. It's a great game. It's a good way to get people involved in sport. It's generally non-contact, if you like. But I used to like going down with it with my young bloke, and he didn't start when he was two, of course, and I've coached a few junior sides. Mm. But the, just if somebody kicks the ball out... They all go running. Yeah, you know a, what I mean? Stay in your position. No, no. They're all chasing the ball. Yeah. It was, yeah, good to watch. But I suppose John will do the right thing there and point him in the right direction and sort of get them going to uh, where they need to be. That's changed a little bit for you as you've gotten older now, isn't it? Because no sooner do you say pub and you treat the pub the same way as you did the ball back then, oh, don't you? you had to say that, didn't you? You saw straight through. I Mitch, saw straight Mitch through. is the same as well, aren't you, Mitch? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty similar. Mitch, um, refs have been a bit of an issue for you, haven't they? Trying to get those numbers back up again. Yeah, you know we've had a we've had a cool group of referees probably over the last three years, um, and you know as as you probably know, it, you get you get you need always new referees to come in to freshen to freshen everyone up. Otherwise, you just find the same people referee the same people all the time, um, and that's sort of probably where sort of problems arise. So, small country town, that's sort of always bound to happen. But we love getting new refs in and. Definitely had a couple of people uh, reach out after our article on the weekend, so hopefully looking for a few more. Um, and we do run the referees course, which will be in the first week of May. So if you just reach out to the association, we can point you in the right direction for that. Beautiful, mate. You've also got a busy bee happening. What's uh, involved with that one? Uh, yeah, so we're just uh, we're doing a bit of a busy bee on Sunday, uh, this, uh, this Sunday the 16th. Uh, we're just cleaning out the shed, um, marking lines, if it went marking the four senior pitches um, and also just a general clean-up, just getting ready for the season in a fortnight. Mitch, just back to that referee course. I know we've spoken to a couple of referees in the last couple of years as numbers for the refs have been dwindling, but uh, the the former players who have got even more out of that particular course is quite a, a large amount. The education process must be pretty big. 
Yeah, so there's a it's a it's a full full day um, sort of practical course, um, and and there's an online component as well. It's, it's I've done it. I've, I did it two years ago, and the the amount of information that you thought you knew about the game that you learn in that course is phenomenal. So anyone that's interested or is doing nothing in their spare time, I, I encourage them to come down because they'll definitely learn a thing or two. I was going to say exactly the same thing there, Mitch, because my brother Ash, as you know, he did the same course as what you did, and he came out to me and said to me, so I've been playing soccer since I was about 11 years old, he said there were rules that he didn't even know existed. Mm. Yep, it's, it's amazing, and it sometimes makes it a little more complicated, And um, but it's always good to know, and I think you know, the more learning you do and the more mm. training, the better the association's going to become, and that's definitely what we're striving for. Mitch, is it something that you could probably put out to the clubs in Clubland and say, hey, we need a couple of representatives. We're not asking you to be a referee, but we want you to sit in with these courses so that some of you guys that are playing that think you're better than the, the refs, if you like, understand the rules a lot better than what you do because the refs are doing the best they can, as you know, and they'll, they'll blow for a something that they think is a general infringement that the other player doesn't know about. Oh, <laughs> it's very hard for some of these people to do that. I mean, Bloody I'd encourage all, all the people playing, they go out to get down to the course and they definitely would learn a thing or two. We, look, we, we asked the clubs if they can send members to go down just because, uh, you know, just so the course is filled up. And But putting some sort of, I don't know, forcing them to do that is probably probably not going to make them do it. So we just just, just got to really encourage them to get people down on sort of their own course. And, um, yeah. Uh, good on you, Mitch. Appreciate you catching up with us this morning here on SCN Day. Give us a bit of a run through, mate. We look forward as those fixtures come a little bit closer to be talking to you again, mate. How far away are we from that first game again? Yeah, three, uh, two and a half weeks, I think, mate. Two and a half weeks. Yeah, beautiful. We'll jump on just before then, I reckon, and have a yarn to you. Mitch, thanks very much no for worries. joining us this morning, though, and all the best of luck with the season. Always a pleasure. Thanks, boys. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is The Blast Crew. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, Vivian Street in Boulder, the Goldfields' best nuts and bolts holder, are bringing you a Saturday morning on SEN, and we talk the local sport. We are talking netball, Louis. Eastern Goldfields Netball Association are just a weekend away from getting their 2023 season underway. I know you've got all the fixtures there, but we have got the lovely Tash, who is with us to give us all of the details from the Eastern Goldfields Netball Association. Morning, Tash. Morning. Thanks for having me. Always welcome to be on the show, Absolutely. Tash. You know, back in the days, the EGNA when it wasn't and you brought it back to where it is now. And there's been even more changes in the off-season since we spoke with you last, more so probably for the juniors itself because the juniors have gone mixed. Yeah, so this year we've decided to change up the juniors to really look at ways that we can improve the sport and be more inclusive. So we have gone from the age-based competition to a skill-based competition. And with that, we have have all of our juniors are mixed grades. So um, up to the age of 18, uh, a male can participate just like anyone else. It's a change, isn't it, Louis? You know, we've seen this happen with footy. Yeah. But now we've obviously got a, a women's league in local footy, but we've got it in cricket. Cricket you have as well, yes. Um, and the opportunity for women in basketball. So netball, just following that, I think, is, is a great leadership show from the Eastern Goldfields Netball Association. Yeah, I think it's really going to help. And, you know, from there we've seen um, some of the guys have been able to continue, whereas last year would have been their last season. And we even have a player that's come back who's had a year off because he was too old to play. So now he's come back and joined a team. 
Oh, yeah, it's good wonderful. to see it's all about participation, especially when we hear about other associations struggling for numbers. But you've said it's a skill-based, and obviously with that becomes, I, f- I suppose, a few complications. Who puts them into those skill-based sides? Is it the clubs initially, and then you guys review it as an association down the track? Yeah, so what we've done is we've really listened to the clubs. We've said that these are going to be the junior divisions. We've given them guidelines as to what that would be equivalent to, like the competition-wise for last season as the age-based. And then we've let the clubs sort of have at it. Um, We've reviewed the fixtures over the Easter long weekend. The board met and we reviewed what clubs were in what grade and we thought, yep, let's let them have it. And uh, the first five rounds we will monitor the grades and the yep. games and just make sure it's fair and Just even. make sure there's no big blowouts in there in the early part of the season and people yeah. lose interest, you'll cut it back and say, hey, guys, let's let's get it yeah, right Yeah, and I think for five rounds they would have played a few teams so we know like – and generally what we find is that there's the top three teams, the bottom two, and then in the middle it's kind of a free-for-all. Yeah, yeah, okay. You've also gone through in the off-season to look at uh, some of the refereeing and trying to put a bit of development into your refereeing. That's started to pay some efforts. I know there's a couple of co- uh, teams who have announced their team. Sorry, a couple of teams who have announced their teams. It sounds a couple of clubs that have announced their teams <laughs> yeah. um, who have got the right specifications now of having an umpire allocated from their own particular team. This is probably something that you want to help drive to be able yeah. to ensure that your referee or your yeah. umpire stocks are continuing up. Yeah, definitely. And we've been working with our um, auto, which is Association Umpire Development Officer, to really build that capability within our umpires. What we've suggested to clubs is that it's important that you have a coach that can coach and an umpire that can umpire each week and then fill your team from there. And a few clubs have done that and I'm really going to look forward to, well, I'm sure it's going to be a lot less stress for them running around Mm. looking for an umpire at the last minute. Yeah, which is nothing worse. What about the set and go? That's always been a big part of of what you do. You know, we used to speak to you and you were down there getting ready, all the little kids are running around and doing what they've got to do. How's the numbers going with that? Yeah, it's um, looking really good. So for set, we're using pretty much, I think there's only one or two outdoor courts that won't be used at the 8 o'clock time slot. Um, So we, sorry, 9 o'clock time slot. So we're bringing that back so they're not down there freezing as well. And, yeah, it's really good to see those numbers. Those numbers have not dropped off at all. You've put a bit into development, is that right, from getting the development happening in schools? You're looking at that? Yeah, so we've gone um, our admin and secretary goes out to the schools and lets them know the competitions that we have. We work with Netball WA Wheatbelt Goldfields and they run a school-based carnival as well. So I think that has helped um, bring some of the players back. Tash, from a senior's point of view, the, it's changed from Prem now to Division 1, so you've got Division 1, 2, etc, etc. So yep. you've made a name change there, which I understand is probably just fits the format of everything else and doesn't say that they are the best, if you like, it's Div 1, Div 2, etc. But yep. has there been much change from a player's point of view from the teams from last year that you were aware of? Yeah, so there are a few players that have, um, as you know, every year the Max Exodus of Kalgoorlie and they've gone on to other ventures so there is a few changes with the teams we've had a few new players come to town so they've slotted into teams there so I think it's going to be a really tight competition Um, the other thing with seniors is what we've done is we have volunteered them um, for a competition committee so they're going to be down at the courts a club each week supporting our juniors and really giving back to the community and to the competition 
It's a great initiative. It is. They, they come up with them all the time. You know, we spoke hockey. Hockey do the same. Netball do as well. And I think other clubs or other associations could take a lot from what you guys do being proactive and making sure that things work. But I've just got to touch back on the rookies. How are my rookies looking for this season? Yeah, my they're rookies. looking pretty good. They've um, recruited a few uh, a superstar team manager who's come back and will definitely provide the support there. And... Um, yeah, and a new uniform's coming, so you might have to upgrade your uniform. Oh, no. I remember wearing that one last time at an event. Yeah, no, no. Did no, you? I did. Yeah. Oh, that was that quiz night, wasn't it? Yeah, mate, yeah. How did that go for you? Yeah, it went really well, thanks. Yeah, it was, was it a, a, cold, it was a night? cold night, Glenn? Yeah. yeah, there was a few people pointed that out as well. I don't know how they knew it was a cold night, but we'll move on from that. Must have been the goosebumps yeah. at the end. <laughs> the knobbly <laughs> knees, yeah. Tash. Let's get back on track because some sponsors <laughs> I'm trying to go as far away from that visual as possible but uh, the the sponsors that you've got on board are new sponsors because you've got a very driven committee at the moment who are helping to drive this as well and also get some some great support for netball yeah so this is the first year where we've had some sponsors from local businesses around town and it's really going to help our junior development and that's what we're looking at and from that we've been able to design and order some new player uniforms for when we go away we actually look good as well sure. as competing. Yeah, oh, that's great. Do you want to give your sponsors a plug if yep. you've got them at the top of your head? Yeah, so um, this year our EGNA competition will be the EGNA Kennedy's Carpet Choice competition. Um, they're our naming sponsors. We've also got NPE who have come on board, National Pump and Energy, and also Cairo Resources. Nice. Nice little mix up there of, you know, big big companies, smaller companies, local companies, of course, yes. and it's good to see that they're getting behind something that they can see is going to be beneficial for them and obviously beneficial for you as well, Tash. Yeah, definitely, and we welcome all of the support. We're in talks with others, so, you know, we, we're very thankful. Throughout the year, you head off to some different locations in the week, but normally Meriden. Great, great facility at Meriden, by the way. I, d- I yeah. dropped in there over, oh, about two months ago. Not for netball, but is that the same place that they've got the kids' playground? Yes. Yeah, yep. That's where you need to stop with the kids, Lloyd, right there. Anyway, I digress. But uh, we, we go away to Meriden for the, the Wheatbelt Goldfields Carnival down yep. there. So that's held over two days this, this year. So yep. it's held over the 17th and 18th of June. Um, we're all associations from the Wheatbelt Goldfields and we're also in talking with Netball WA about rotating it between the associations. So I'm, um, my negotiation skills are coming in play Boy, and we're hoping yeah, to have it out that? here in the next couple of years. Yeah, beautiful. Did you Good see, see. Tasha really yeah. just gave an emphasis. No, that was terrible for radio, but visually it was <laughs> straight great. Straight out us. of the chair and my negotiation <laughs> skills. Right. Certainly tested, that's yeah. for sure. No, well done. If you need a hand, let us know. Um, and then there's also normally the state carnival that's around the June long weekend. Are you sending representative teams off to yeah, that? Yeah, so we'll have our, f- that's the Fuel to Go Championships down at the Gold Industry cent- Group Centre. Lots of whatever sponsors it's this called. morning. Yep. Um, so it'll be down there um, and that's the June long weekend. So it'll be the Saturday, Sunday with finals being on the Monday and we hope to take um, a few teams down there. I think there's some country champs or some state champs that are on at the moment maybe. Have we got any representatives there? Do you know if it'll be here? There uh, is um, some... There's a school carnival that's what at Meriden be. as well. Yep. Um, a school netball carnival. Yep. yep. 
Your committee, Tash, did that pretty much stay the same from last year? Yeah, we've got a couple of new people on board. Um, so Renee has joined us and Crystal. Um, Renee has looked after our sub-juniors and making sure that's all in order. And Crystal's really taken over and run with the sponsorship, which is great. Lovely to see, Tash. Great to have you on board. We're looking forward to catching up with all of the netball news throughout the season. That first game, Louis, who's playing who in round one of the Division One on Friday the 21st of April? At six o'clock, the first game is Munna 1 versus Steelers Divi 1, if you like, at the other game at 6 o'clock sees my team Rookies take on the Sonics and at 7.30 sees Imperials take on Envious. What happens if I don't like it that first game? I don't care. Okay. You can watch the other game. It's both at the same time. Just sit in the middle. Okay. Just turn your back on one and watch the other. And hopefully that is not the case. But anyway, Louis, I appreciate you giving us those fixtures this morning. Tash, we appreciate you coming on board our show and we look forward to some further promotion of netball here on SEN throughout 2023. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Tash Holdenest joining us from the Eastern Goldfields Netball Association. We are back with some more of your Saturday morning with some local sport. Thanks to Calgary Case and Drill in just a couple of secs. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is The Blast Crew. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, supplying the drilling, industrial and mining industries since 1999. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is The Blast Crew. The Blast Crew on SEN across Kalgoorlie, Boulder and around our goldfields. It's Glennie and it's Louie and it's a lot of things going on with sport. We've got some mining news to cover off again just before the end of the show as well, Louie. But I know you're mining for some further details here, but Graham Davis recently on the Goldfields Football League Facebook page has been announced and through the GFL Umpires Association having his own rooms after him is an absolute stalwart of the umpiring stocks here in the goldfield since 1988, Louis. Oh, definitely well-deserved, Glenn. When I saw that, it sort of brought tears to my eyes and the, the old hairs grow on the back of your neck because no one's been around the game and been as fair as you can be than Graham Davis, let me tell you, because, um, yeah, he's done a lot for the association, as you know, and you don't just get a club room named after yourself if you haven't done the right thing do you no absolutely and he joins us on the phone at the moment as well graham congratulations what a great honor it is and no doubt i know you're a very humble man you must have been extremely surprised about this and um taken this with a with a lot of respect and and gratitude yes you're quite correct there it was uh taken took me by surprise as i was not expecting any uh reward for the efforts I've put in over the years but uh, yeah it made me feel as proud as punch to actually receive such an honour and I'm uh, yeah, happy to have my name above the floor at uh, Sir Richard Moore and it's uh, yeah a really great honour. Graham, one thing I'm going to say mate, I'm not going to take anything away from your well deserved um, room naming after yourself, what does it take to be a good umpire apart from having a thick skin? <laughs> Concentration, I think, is the essence of uh, good umpiring. Following every uh, movement of the game, as then uh, concentrating and being switched on to uh, read the play and making sure you get the right decision. Mate, I know you put a lot of hours and a lot of time into being a uh, an umpire. What is it that the satisfaction that you get out of? Is it the one finger, is it the two fingers, or is it the tap above that is probably the most satisfying for you being in goals? Uh, yeah, the two finger giving the uh, good, correct goal uh, when it's an exciting snapshot or something like that, and that's uh, 
you know, hanging in the balance and you're the one there is making the decision to give them the, you've done a well job, done job or, uh, no, you failed. But uh, giving a goal is always a great pleasure. So it makes uh, some half the crowd happy, at, at least. Do you do you have a bit of drama with it? Do you, you know, like uh, I know that there's been some cricket umpires who do wait a little bit before they give the finger just for that little second of drama. Do you sit there and look? I know that, that many of the goal umpires, particularly of the 80s and the 90s, used to wait and then wait for the oh. signal to go, yes, it's all clear, but do you, do you get a little bit of a, an adrenaline rush just before you do give that that opportunity to know that it is a score? Yeah, mate, I'm only human like the rest of us, and yeah, keep, keeping the crowd in suspense is uh, just a little bit of a thrill. And nobody knows what you're up to, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you give that little bit of a, yeah, yeah it's the right one. Go for it. <laughs> Dodger, 35 years in the in the game itself doing what you're doing. There's been, I'm sure, quite a few highs and quite a few lows. But talk us through maybe your top three moments of, of games that you've umpired. Yeah, uh, the top, top echelon of my games was when I umpired the Goldfields Football League representative side in Perth back in 1992. Uh, the game was played at Subiaco Oval in front of about 40,000 crowd all going there to watch the Eagles play. And when they all realised that the blue and gold were out there playing, all the crowd decided to get behind them. And it was great lift when you gave a decision and hear the crowd cheer, even though they weren't their uh, respective <laughs> side, but they still were supporting the blue and gold, which was great to hear. The Goldfield won that game against Eastern Districts. And, uh, yeah, that was a highlight of my uh, career so far. But, yeah, most grand finals I've done, I, uh, you know, you get a thrill out of a close one. You, uh, so, yeah, all the close ones that I've uh, umpired over the years, it's uh, always been a pleasure. But my other main highlight was the first Waffle League game in Perth at Flat Lane Park. I did East Perth versus Perth. And, uh, yeah, that was a, an achievement to actually come from the goalfields and, get a league game in the uh, waffle, which, uh, yeah, I was quite proud of that moment too. Was that one of the rarer moments that my Mighty Demons won a game? Uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a royal supporter, so unfortunately, yes. Oh, well. Hey, Dodge, uh, who's been the best player that you've seen locally? There have been a lot that have come through the ranks, no doubt. Oh, back in the 80s and 90s, I saw blokes like Shorty Daniels come play there. John Scott from East Perth come and played for uh, another guy. Uh, you know, a lot of the ex-Waffle or ex-AFL players. Uh, Gary Sidebottom came from St Kilda and spent a couple of uh, games playing there. Yeah, there's been quite a lot over the years, but uh, the locally produced ones, you know, Brett Turner was a great player for a long time. And, uh, yeah, there's been quite a few. A little guy called... Uh, Georgie Ford was uh, mm. quite a character back in his day. So, yeah, I've seen quite a lot of them come through and, uh, yeah, have enjoyed their uh, dexterity and their uh, efforts and, yeah, have had some good times watching them. You'd always like to see more people getting involved with umpiring and that seems to be a trend with most associations. But you'd be pretty pleased with, I suppose, what you've got at the moment, Graham. We've got a good quality of umpires, not a quantity, but yeah, so the blokes we've got out there are, 
are pretty good. They've been around for a fair while now. And, yeah, so, but the more, the merrier, as they say, that we can pass our trade on to new people would be uh, extremely uh, uh, gratifying, I should the word I would use. Lovely, lovely. Graham, you're such a humble man. You do it for the love of the game and for your own love and passion. You don't do it for any other reason than to, to enjoy the spectacle, to, to do it for the right reasons, and you're very well respected within the Goldfields community and the Goldfields football community. Yep. Um, mate, congratulations and well done. Just one more thing. Uh-huh. When was yep. your last eye check? Well, I have one every year at the my uh, workplace. They send me every year to get the eye check. <laughs> no, and I have... 2020 vision. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. No worries. <laughs> Dodge as well. No, you're an absolute gentleman of the game and, and one of our real lovely local legends, mate. And you help make football what it is uh, by your presence and your flag waving. Yourself, George Gale, do a great job in the goals. You're a formidable combination and you yourself well recognised, mate, with your efforts since 1988. Thank you very much. Okay, no worries. Thanks for the interview. Good on you, Dodge. Graham Davis there and an absolute gentleman of the Goldfields Football League. Having a look now at some mining news of the week and Mineral Resources yesterday afternoon crashed Essential Metals takeover. Uh, the mining and services company is understood to accumulate at least 15% of the lithium junior and has agreed to a $136 million takeover by IGO and Tianqui as well. It's been a big week for gold as it continues its volatility in the markets. The closing price close to the end of market yesterday afternoon for an Aussie gold price uh, situated in the vicinity of around $3,013 Australian an ounce and you're looking at about 2044 US per ounce for gold ending the week. Gold was also on the lips of Ralph Finlayson. It has been for a very long time, but Genesis raising $450 million to buy St. Barbara. The $370 million of the funds to buy St. Barbara's underperforming Leonora assets would be there, while $40 million would be set aside for acquisition and offer costs and another 40 for working capital requirements. Uh, at this stage, there are a couple who are involved in putting that all together. Canaccord, January and Euros Hartley's acting as the joint lead managers. And that is for the Genesis Raising, looking to raise around $450 million for St. Barbara's Leonora Assets by Genesis Minerals to help form Hoover House. Also in some other details, Beacon Minerals this week also announced their March quarterly production figures and Graham McGarry, who is the Managing Director of uh, Beacon Minerals, saying that uh, this week it's been quite a big week for Beacon as gold production was up 17% for the quarter against the December quarter, lifting guidance for the full year from 28 to 30,000 ounces. Production steady and averaging a realised price per ounce of 2,766. And a gold bar sold in transit as of the 31st of March for $3,007 Australian an ounce from Beacon Minerals. Also in some other news that's been floating around on the share market across the week that has been. It's been a very, very big week, even though it's had the the old four days or so. Uh, We've had a a little bit happening with Alcoa and some environmental compliance breaches which have doubled there, while workers at Telfer 
braced for Isla's impact or Isla's impact over the last couple of days with the cyclone in our north. That's a bit of a wrap-up of the mining news. Thanks to Industry Link Media. We're returning in just a couple of moments to talk with Rob Burison, who joins us from the Calgary Boulder Racing Club. They're racing today. The KBRC getting underway at four minutes past one. He's right here on the Blast Crew. You're on SEN 1611 on the AM and also streaming via the SEN app as well. Tune in today for the GFL footy. Thanks to Harvey Norman Goldfields, two o'clock from Diggadores. It's Boulder and Cambelda. The Goldfields, covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is The Blast Crew. 16.11am, SEN, The Goldfields, covered in some local sport on a Saturday morning. Thanks to Calgary Case and Drill, Vivian Street in Boulder, The Goldfields' best nuts and bolts holder. And as you would normally say, since 1999, Glenn. Yes. Anyway, tomorrow, today, I mean, this afternoon from one o'clock underway at the KBRC, we've got seven red-hot races, a lead-on or follow-on, if you like, from uh, Good Friday, which Mm. I attended, and we're going to talk to... Rob Murison, the CEO of the KBRC, is going to have a chat to us about all the things that have been going on. But, Rob, welcome to the show, mate, and how good was last Friday? Yes, thank you, gents. Always great to join you. Um, last Friday was very good, as in good Friday. It was a good Friday. Well attended, and uh, the racing was great. And, yeah, weather held out for us. We, As usual, the rain turned up about 10 minutes after the last race, so that was Perfect. Well done, mate, because I know that the track was at about a 6.8 or a 7 penetrometer last week. Was that right? Well, we're, we're not sure it was a lot. Um, it ended up being a good four. Yep. But we, we did get a fair bit of water on it, and we verti-drained it uh, last week just prior to, so it did soften up a fair bit. But by the time the race started, the race they kicked off, it was back to a good four. As you say, mate, it's been pleasing for yourselves and your committee to see so many people turning out to you know the, the racetrack itself, especially Good Friday. I, I think a lot of people had forgotten to buy their beers and that sort of stuff. It was one of the only places, if the only place you could go and, and have a frothy. But the, look, the, what you've done around the track, what you've done inside, what you've done with the blue spec and things like that, it really seems to be tidied up quite a bit compared to what it has been previous years. Yeah, look, we've just done a few little things. And we're just working on the one percenters at the moment. So, you know, fix a... You know, the ceiling repair here and a bit of paint there and a, a door tightened up here and there and, you know, we've put some plants and things around the place. So just, we're doing some little things. We've got some, we just, the only way we can do it is just a little bit at a time. So, um, yeah, we're working on it, Lou, so it's nice that, uh, yeah, people are noticing it and uh, we certainly, by, by mid-season, we'll have a, a lot more done and it'll be a, a much more presentable. Speaking of having a lot more done, you're also doing a lot more around the grounds as well, which is always good to see, mate. After today's race, mate, you've got some markets on tomorrow. The old Boulder markets have moved to the KBRC. Yeah, yeah. So, look, the board, um, well, part of what my appointment was is what, what else can we do apart from racing with these facilities? And they're really pushing to, to do more stuff. So, um, yeah, we've got lots of things going on. The Boulder markets being here is just one of them. The last one was amazing. I was watching it on my phone from Perth, actually, through the security cameras and you know, we seem to have as many people turn up as what we do for one of our regular race days. So it was nice to open the facility up uh, for a different purpose. Is the museum open for, for those days as well? Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, we're opening up every day, every race meeting now. So um, tomorrow, the gates open at 12 o'clock. The museum will open at 12 o'clock. Um, first race is at 1.04. So we generally close the, me- the museum up at about, you know, about 1 o'clock. So it's open for that hour for people that want to come along a little earlier and have a look through and 
wade back through the histories, the history of the club. It's um, it is amazing. I'm just constantly astounded by it. Yep. Back to 1896. So. Yep, absolutely. And the amount of history that is involved, Rob, is is incredible. Last week I was on Town Hall. I think it was in the sixth or the seventh. Finished second. Um, yeah, yeah. Just to let you know, Louis, that's about as close no, as I that's came. That's probably to about as close week. as you got. I tell you what, that somebody did get close, and they're racing again tomorrow in the second race. Glenn Ross Craig Stable, the new horse. It was his first race in WA last week. Finished very, very strong in its first race here to finish third. But Northern Sunrise from the Ross Craig is my selection right. for race two. Is it really? That'll be one to watch for come, throughout the season. How come you're not on the top weight in race six, Boozeroo? Uh, I've given up the booze. Oh, have you? Oh, well, there you go. Well, then there's no point being on it. You, you, you should have been on number eight then, Miss Kangaroo, which is you're jumping around. <laughs> oh, Kangaroo, bit. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Hey, but it must be really pleasing, Rob, from a CEO point of view and also from an industry point of view that with such a big race meet in Perth today with the Quokka that you're still able to attract some good quality numbers today. Yeah, we are. We are. They, the guys are all telling all the trainers that, you know, it generally starts off with a, a little bit of a, a you know, excitement, a few extra horses, which we did. We had about 12 more horses in the first race meeting and then it came back to, you know, we about eight down last week and I think we'll be about the same as last week, this week. Um, but Anzac Day is a really big one and we've got a lot of horses, even even on-course horses that are still not ready. You know, some of the stables haven't put a, put a runner in yet. So, yeah, so there's probably about 15 to 20 local horses that will be coming on um, in the next sort of two to three meetings. Now, Rob, and and yeah, and on top of that, we've got these couple of out of towners that have come in and mm. really added. You know, we've got another nineteen horses on course now, or twenty actually. I think we, the the tappers have another one coming through. So it's been that's been really exciting. You know, it's sort of adding another one or two horses to each race. So um, it's really bolstering the numbers. Spurt for those that may not be thinking of going to the track and sitting at home watching the Quokka and things like that. You're going to put the the main race on the big screen, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. A big feature of this week will be the Quokker, obviously. It's the talk of the town or talk of the state, really, So, as far as racing goes. So, yeah, um, we have a race at, uh, I think we have a race at 3.40. That'll be sort of over by 3.45, 3.47. Hopefully, if it doesn't um, drag out, and we'll be flicking straight across to the Quokka at 3.50, um, and that'll be on the big screen and all the screens throughout the facility. So, yeah, we know there's a lot of interest in that one. We're really catering to that on the day. Yeah, Kementari, which is the top weight, is uh, the slot acquired by SEN Radio. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye ah. on for this afternoon, mate. Yeah, just uh, put that one in your back pocket. There you go. Written right, by right. Damien Oliver. Anzac Day, mate. Just... Well, that's the first tip I've got from anyone. Um, Oh, I wouldn't say it's so a tip. I'll, I'll put that one down, Glenny. First tip. I, I wouldn't say it's a He's tip. He's got to give tips out himself yeah. before you get them back, <laughs> don't you? Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, Spurt, uh, Anzac Day, as you said, is one of the bigger days on your calendar. What can people expect and what are you doing? Right, it's going to be a very big day. So we have got, obviously, we're um, paying our respects to the Anzacs and then the RSL have a function here. Um, we have the bugler on and we're looking at a couple of other things to sort of pay tribute to the Anzacs. Um, so we don't want to lose touch with what the day is all about. Um, we then have, but we will have the opening of the new jockeys and stewards facility. So as you, you guys are probably aware, there was a fair bit of money that came from Rawa, um, our governing body and the state government. And so it was about a $1.3 million investment. So there's a fair hierarchy from Rawa and a couple of the local polys and Perth or state ministers coming up for the opening of that. So that'll be quite a big, um, a big thing for us on the day as well. It's always well attended, mate, and I think April is a really good month for for racing here in the Gulf because it sets you up for the rest of the year. 
That jockey in Stewart's room, mate, I've had a quick look before it um, managed to be fit out properly. That's going to be an absolute opportunity for many of these jockeys who might have been reluctant about riding in Kalgoorlie on a Sunday to make that journey on the flight to come up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah look, certainly. I think we've only had one one issue to date, and I just reckon the spa hasn't been hot enough, so we've got to make <laughs> sure we've third time, third time lucky we'll have that right this time. <laughs> Um, but, you know, they're very happy with the facilities and the catering and, and everything we're putting on for them. So, yeah, it is, you know, the stewards are telling us that it's the best facility in WA um, from a jockey's point of view. So, yeah, certainly we um, we hope that, that, that there's certainly nothing to discourage them from coming to Kalgoorlie. Rob, you've got about four or so months to go until a big event, the Kalgoorlie Cup, etc. That that week that pretty much stops Kalgoorlie and people uh, thrive to the town to see what it's all about. What's going on there? Because you know, there's not a lot of time when you sort of blink and miss it. If you don't do th- start getting things planned now, things aren't going to happen. So what's happening around the club in preparation for that? Yeah, well, Race Round is just ever-present. I think I got here in September last year to help um, with Brett Snell through the Race Round last year. And I started making notes. I think by the end of the Race Round, I had about 180 notes of things to do for this year. Um, it just doesn't stop race round. We were straight into it as soon as the round finished last year. Um, but we, we're forming our, a couple of subcommittees in the very near future, actually, to start planning around it and spreading the tasks around because there's a massive um, a massive event for the whole week. And particularly with Hannon's being pushed back to the Wednesday this year, that seems to have created even more interest. We thought it would discourage some of the people from Perth having to try and get accommodation for an extra day, but there's certainly lots of interest from out of town on what's going on and we've got some other some exciting news that we'll be able to hopefully once we get that sorted out in the next time we catch up we'll be able to share some with you oh. about race round and how we're going to accommodate other people so he's a legend isn't he because he gives us all these little teasers and then comes back in a couple of weeks and actually delivers oh, I think the, he, the hints in accommodate people Glenn okay right thank you uh, there we go, Rob. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. We appreciate that. Getting underway at the KBRC this afternoon. We've got Saturday racing, always very popular Saturday racing, no matter where you are, right across this big nation of ours. Four minutes past one, the Witten's Irrigation and Design Maiden. 1,400 metre distance, race one. Rail is out three metres the entire way around the KBRC. We're looking forward to that one this afternoon. You got anything on the go? What are you laughing at? Well, I've got nothing on the go, mate. You want a tip for the last... The get out of stakes. What is it? Shadow get boom. Shadow boom. There you go. I've said it. I've given you a tip, Spurt. Right up. I'll make it up. Gary Bowen. I know Gary. I thought he would have helped me out with that one and let me know earlier, but uh, obviously I'm not on the same list you're on, Louis. No. Well, it, it trialed about a week, two weeks ago in that first meet, Louis, after a bit of a spell, and it was second in that trial. So you know a little bit of something, do you? Uh, not going to say anything. It's like a yabby dam, isn't it? <laughs> You never tell. You never give away too many secrets in a yabby dam. Rob, thanks very much for joining us, mate. And don't forget markets on Sunday. If, uh, if racing might not be up your cup of tea today, then you definitely can get a, maybe a cup of tea or a coffee on Sunday at the KBRC and get along and enjoy those facilities. Good on you, Rob. Have a great day. Okay. The thanks, Jim. Fields covered with local sport, info and mining news. This is The Blast Crew. Kalgoorlie Case and Drill, supplying the drilling, industrial and mining industries since 1999.
Kogali Case and Drill, Vivian Street in Boulder, the Goldfields best nuts and bolts holder. We're honing in on the end of our show this morning. It's a big Saturday of sport. Don't forget Boulder and Cambelda from Diggador's Oval this afternoon from 2 o'clock, your coverage. Logan Hughes in special comments with his busted old shoulder and yours truly bring you all the action from Diggador's Oval from the Brett Turner Grandstand this afternoon from 2 o'clock on SEN. Glennie and Lou here to wrap up the Blast Crew, though. Our coverage, though, of the GFL. Thanks to some great sponsors, Harvey Norman Goldfields, uh, First National Real Estate and at the top end of Haddon Street and also Choices Flooring by Kennedy's, the Flooring and Blinds crew. There you go. And they were a sponsor as well earlier on in the show too, which is great yes. to see getting behind Netball as a uh, naming rights sponsor. Yep. Wonderful to see. Now, you have seen an article, and this happened yesterday afternoon. I knocked off work at about half past one because I'd had enough. One, the week was done. But two, I'm doing a bit of work today and wanted to probably do a few things around the house. It was lunchtime, so we decided to go and get something yeah, to eat. Yeah, that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah, come on. And then the Dockers were playing at 10 past three yesterday afternoon. Now, something caught your eye, Louis. Yes, well, it's uh, our boss himself, you know, uh, Hutchie's spoken out now because he has a vested interest in, in West Australian sport, of course, with the Wildcats, and he's starting to see, I suppose, how we felt in the West for ever, you know, because of what's been going on. So this is from the Sounding Board podcast, thanks to Drinkwise, this is Craig Hutchison flying the flag for WA after being posed a question via Twitter. From Rodney, with Frio playing Gold Coast on Friday afternoon at 3TN Perth time this week, can either of you think of a worst scheduling in recent history Australia. of the AFL? I'm with you, Rodney. I'm going to fly the flag for West Australia here for a second. Having been through this with basketball and now seeing it with Fremantle on West Coast, and as a invested West Australian sports owner... <laughs> It is, West Australia is too often considered an afterthought in the time slot of broadcasting of matches, yep. mainly in the AFL. So and, there's a with daylight um, savings ending, there's I'm, a two-hour difference right I'm now. I'm talking isn't about all sports, not our sport, and I'm talking about away games particularly. No thought or reference is given to what time that game ever comes back into Perth by the bulk of leagues, many, the AFL included, I think, from time to time, and and West Australians deserve. Where possible, not always easy with two and sometimes three-hour time differences. Yep. A better go than this. 3.10 on a Friday, please. Mm. Similar theme, and it is relating. There we go. That's from the Sounding Board podcast, yep. please. B- but it's nuts, right? It, yep, it is school holidays, but take that out of the equation. Most people are working. 3.10 on an afternoon, if you want to see your team play, has got knobs on it. Of course it has. Absolute knobs on it, Glenn, because it's just, it's wrong. It's what we've had to deal with for, for years, if you yeah. like. You know, the daylight saving thing. And look, I'm, I'm a campaigner for daylight saving. Not that it affects that too much anyway, because, you know, the time goes from three to two. And from a business owning point of view, you put it out there, you're three hours behind everyone else, basically. You might as well go home at two o'clock because you can't talk to anyone in Sydney because yeah. they've buggered off. But, you know, from a sports point of view, everyone's passionate about their sport. And it's good now to see that somebody like our boss, Hutchie, is getting behind it because he sees what it does to sport. He sees what it does to those organisations and as well the viewers because he's passionate now because he owns the Wildcats. Look at Friday night football. And Friday night football on an AFL scale in Melbourne is, what, five seven forty start time. If you had a 7.40 start time here in Perth, how mint would that be? Oh, fantastic. Saturday night, 7.40. It's yeah. great. Yep. But what we've got is we've got 7.40 Eastern times to deal with. And, and even the first round of fixtures that we had a home game here for the Dockers, I think they started at 4.40. Uh, just so they could fit in with the time slot for TV for over east. The 
a bigger opportunity there is that it is not just the AFL. Cricket, we were hard done by with cricket. I think at one stage we had a big bash game that was like 10 o'clock in the morning because of the way that everything figured out for itself. Um, the, the Wildcats season obviously is, is affected. There's other particular national sports that are affected as well. But I like that we've got somebody who's in our corner who can actually see those big differences and he's not affected by um, the, the big... Yeah, look, it would be nice to think it's going to make a difference. Uh, if you don't put it out there, maybe people aren't going to listen. But maybe from a fixturing point of view, I know it's gather round or you know, gathering around, whatever they're calling it at the moment. And I think it's been a pretty good success on, on the way it's going about. And from what I'm hearing, it's going to stay in Adelaide as well. There's going to be a few people you know, around the countryside saying, hey, oh, I want to be part of this, yep. I'm going to be part of this. But no, I think it's going to stay in Adelaide for sure. It's only an hour and a half, but an hour and a half, 3.10 to watch a game of footy. Not that too many people are going to watch the game of footy if it involves Frio. Right. But, you know, at the same token, the Eagles aren't going that good either. But let's, let's try and get things in perspective. They may have been able to plan it a little bit better and have them playing at a later time and the other guys where it doesn't affect them yeah, as much playing look, earlier. Yeah, not good. Not good. Hey, um, what else is going on this week, mate? Bowls. We haven't spoken about bowls because weren't you involved in the triples during the week? No, that's, the triples was the week before, oh, yeah, so okay. uh, yes, it uh, was uh, well attended actually and was great to see because um, what they're doing now out of Boulder is they're, they're picking a skipper and then they're drawing the other, the other players out of a hat to give everyone a bit more of a chance because sometimes you see teams stack sounds, their sides. Sounds very agricultural. Oh, it is, but it's no, it's good. They're trying new things out at, uh, at every club basically. Kalgoorlie have done it for a couple of seasons now to generate a bit more interest and get more players turning up and not just being flogged by the top guns if you like. Steve Binder's team was Steve Binder, uh, Paul Gunner, and he had his son Dustin Binder playing as well. Dustin's 14 or 15, I think he is. And uh, in my side, I had Phil Clark and I had uh, Noah Steiner. And Noah Steiner's just turned 18. So we've got two young boys playing the sport of bowls. Both made the grand final themselves, and it was a good spectacle. It was, uh, you know, a reasonably good game up until a few ends before... The last end, and Steve Biner's team got over the top of my side 15-8, and well-deserved. And uh, I think you might have read in the paper, Glenn, first father-son combination to win out at Boulder. So uh, well done to those guys, and it's good to see the generation coming through. We've had, them, had a chat to them before, haven't we? When uh, they first started out? I think we, yeah, I think we may have done many moons ago. Yeah. Had a chat to those. In past lives. Hey, shout-out to Tori O'Connor, who did very well in her clay targets recently. I don't have the particular event that Tori was involved in. Uh, but I think she shot a 45 from 50, but she won the event with that 45 from 50. So well done to you there, Tori. The Kalgoorlie Tri Club have got their season wind-up coming up next weekend on the 22nd, so that's still to come. Uh, we had Boulder and Railways in the Colts yesterday afternoon. Uh, we don't have the final fixtures for that this morning. Um, but we've also had the Kalgoorlie Desert Race Easter weekend, which they tell me was very good. And I did see a lot of cars because I travelled back to Cowell on the Sunday. They were going the other way. They were a bit dirty. Very good success from what I heard. Lots of people turned out, enjoyed themselves. Obviously, we had uh, Duncan Collins on the show a couple of weeks ago because they were heading out there doing a few bits and pieces as well. So, yeah, good little initiatives to bring other people to town and get other things happening. Congratulations again to Connor Fuchs, who will lead the WA 2023 Interstate Team Series once again. So, well done to him. He's been doing some big things in the, in the, of late, Glenn. I hope he steps up to some live golf. You reckon? Oh, it would be bloody great for him later on down the track. Um, and also, while we just go back to bowls for two seconds, Mary Smith, Judy McKay and Joan Osmedi, they did a wonderful achievement. This is where I got the triples from. They won the uh, Goldfields Ladies Bowling League's annual triples crown. They had some good numbers there too, I think. About yeah. 18 players. That was a couple of weeks ago. Well, that was just last week, wasn't it? Last week, I think. Mm, yeah, Excellent. They get, they get to play during the week, of course. What are you, spitting chips that you can't? <laughs> 
No, no, I can play during the week if I wanted to, but there's no events generally on. There's social bowls, if anyone's interested. Social bowls at Kalgoorlie, I think, on a Wednesday and a Friday. And, um, yeah, corporate bowls Wednesday night at at the Boulder Bowling Club. Seven races at the KBRC this afternoon from 1.04pm. Gates opening at 12 noon. On-site catering. Totes bar last at 4.45. Big day for the Quokka. Uh, As we caught up with the new stadium redevelopment for the Niels Hansen Basketball Stadium going ahead. That's all been given the tick of approval through that process. And we had Rob Tagliaferri on with us earlier today. Mitch Gray to talk about some referees who are needed for the Goldfield Soccer Association. We spoke to Dodger. He was pretty good, wasn't he? He's yeah, just a humble very fella. humble guy. He is. Yep. He is. Graham 35 Davis. years. Yeah, unbelievable. That's, that's a monumental effort. Uh, on top of uh, Graham, we also had a chat with Tash Holderness and Daniel Lavery all on the show today. And, of course, Rob Murison from the KBRC. But with a minute and a half left, is that enough time for your joke? Uh, look, it's it's a reasonably long one. I'm going to ask you and the listeners, to, you've got to tune into this. You've got okay. to listen to the very, very end. All right. There's a lot going on in the middle. But anyway, are you ready for this? Yes. A man was sitting on the edge of the bed watching his wife who was looking at herself in the mirror. Since her birthday was not far away, he asked her, what would you like for your birthday? She said, I'd like to be eight again, she replied, still looking in the mirror. On the morning of her birthday, he rose, made her a nice bowl of Cocoa Pops, then took her to Adventure World, the theme park. What a day. He put her on every ride in the park. He had the death slide, the wall of fear, the screaming roller coaster, everything there was. Five hours later, they staggered out of the theme park. Her head was reeling, her stomach felt upside down. He then took her to McDonald's and ordered her a Happy Meal with extra fries and a chocolate shake. (laughs) Then it was off to a movie, popcorn, soda pop, and her favourite candies, M&M's. What a fabulous adventure, Glenn, I'll tell you. That sounds it. Finally, what? You still listening? Yeah. Finally, she wobbled home with her husband and collapsed onto the bed exhausted. He leaned over to his wife with a big smile and lovingly asked, Well, dear, what was it like being eight again? Her eyes slowly opened and her expression suddenly changed. I meant my dress size, you The moral of the story is, Glenn, when even when a man is listening, he's going to get it wrong. <laughs> I stuffed it up a bit, didn't I? Yeah, no, you did a very good job. You think so? Yeah, but it's no, true, isn't very, it? Very, very good isn't job. It? Very good job there. Well I want to be eight again. So he thinks that she wants to. He doesn't want to offend her or anything like that. I got like the that. joke. All I right? got the joke. Enjoy your Saturday. You too.